Welcome to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I am joined by David Allen. Uh, once again, we have the fun one returning uh, with yes, hopefully sir. some fun news after the uh, holiday break here in the U.S. I think we got some here in the list, uh, at least for some gamers out there. Get the stuff under the Christmas tree ready for them. Sounds good. Let's jump into our opening discussion. Uh, which is gaming related already. Um, we have Microsoft suggesting Sony reconsider some policies for its PS Plus subscription based. Uh, this comes as we are in, I don't know, day 200 or whatever of the Activision Microsoft deal slash run to the regulators for rhetorical uh, points debacle. Uh, even though it's a full week back from the U.S. holiday celebration of Thanksgiving, it's been a relatively short week for news coming from Redmond. But uh, again, we are once again reporting that Sony is looking to win that rhetorical battle against Microsoft uh, as its bid to purchase Activision Blizzard. Uh, and this time they're doing so by claiming the company's recent success with Game Pass is yet another avenue where Microsoft threatens competition. It sounds confusing, but let's get into some of the details. Head scratching aside, the reality of the matter is that Microsoft saw a 4 million, 4 million subscriber growth over the past year, while Sony, Sony's revamped PS Plus platform recently lost $2 million, according to their latest quarterly earnings report. However, uh, if you're you know sad for Sony, hold your breath. Sony sits at 42, $45.2 million uh, PS Plus subscribers, whereas Microsoft's Game Pass is climbing, but it's only at 25 million for now. Uh, Sony doesn't provide a breakdown of of the tier numbers uh, to show how successful each tier is or how successful uh, PS Plus is in general, but presumably it can't be doing all that well if the company's fears that a Call of Duty exclusive uh, to Game Pass could sink it. If just one game could be put on Game Pass and it would ruin all of PlayStation's cloud gaming efforts, it can't be doing that great. Uh, the back and forth has led uh, Microsoft to a def- uh, come up with this defense, which I guess inadvertently offers Sony some common sense ex- suggestions to improve its PlayStation Plus platform. Uh, it's as simple as adding day and day titles to PlayStation Plus, something Sony knew before and will most likely not do anytime soon. Uh, quote, and this is from uh, Microsoft's defense. Further, even if Microsoft succeeds in growing Game Pass with the addition of Call of Duty, the CMA also would have to satisfy itself that Sony could not respond through investments or improvements in its services. Uh, it is clear that Sony has a range of options to maintain or improve the competitive position of PlayStation Plus at a minimum. Sony could include additional first and third party releases in PlayStation Plus on the day and date release. Sony's first party exclusives not current not currently included in PlayStation Plus include prominent titles such as Last of Us, God of War, Spider-Man, and the Final Fantasy VII Remake. The inclusion of such titles would be, benefit, would be beneficial for gamers. Uh, so, Unfortunately, Sony benefits greatly from selling first-party exclusives separately, so I don't see them taking up this uh, advice very well. Uh, Sony's first-party exclusives make the company a ton of money. Sony's recent God of War Ragnarok shipped 5.1 million copies in the five, first five days, but if Sony followed Microsoft's suggestions, it would be it would jeopardize a potential $350 million in sales by putting the title on PlayStation Plus uh, on day one. So instead of shipping first-party titles into their uh, into any of their tiers for PlayStation uh, Plus plans, 
Sony is telling investors that it's in a virtual cycle of success and it doesn't want to jump off of that. So this is what uh, I believe Jim Ryan, uh, who is the president and CEO of Sony in Interactive Entertainment said, we're in a virtual cycle where success has allowed investments, which has generated more success, which is allowing us to invest more and will hopefully generate yet more success. That virtual cycle, we feel that if we were to move to a different model, which involved putting our AAA title games into a subscription service on day one, we feel that there is a significant risk that this virtual cycle that we've established so successfully would be compromised and potentially broken. Despite being in a position uh, to possibly squelch Microsoft's Game Pass momentum, which they could at any moment, uh, Sony's uh, willing to cling to its bread and butter and hopefully and hope that regulator regulators basically do the part in keeping the status quo of the gaming industry by not letting Microsoft purchase um, Activision. What are your thoughts on all of that? On Sony saying, you know what, we're going to keep selling $70 games and not put them on our platform. But we do want regulators to stop Microsoft from doing this, from doing that exact option. I think the whole thing is just getting a little crazy myself. I mean, I, I think I really get, gave it some thought over the holidays because there was a family member that brought it up to me and the perspective that they brought up really made me think. And you talking about Call of Duty and the fact that whether Call of Duty is on PlayStation or not, you know, Sony says, you know, it could potentially sink PlayStation. Well, in my opinion, you know, there's more to it than that. But there's two there's two ways to look at that. It, you know, Sony has no control over whether Call of Duty is made or not. It's not made by a Sony studio. So if Call of Duty said, okay, no more Call of Duty. We're going to do something else. Not that this is going to happen, folks. You know, Call of Duty is a top-selling title. We all know that. But, you know hey, it's not going to happen or we're going we're gonna to go a different way. Does that mean Sony closes its doors? No, that doesn't mean Sony closes its doors. And then the other thing is, it was actually my brother that brought it up. You've got Sony on one side with the PlayStation and their platform, and you've got Microsoft on the other side. But when you look at it, you've basically got two consoles that essentially do the same thing just in different ecosystems. And this is a battle of software, not so much as hardware. So if somebody thinks that Call of Duty going away and Sony not wanting Microsoft to do this is going to sink everybody's platform, I don't see it happening. I think it's just talk to get everything to go away you know to get things to not go microsoft's way i think in the end microsoft's gonna get what they want they're gonna have to give some concessions but they're gonna get what they want i totally agree um i, I agree with everything you just said there uh it's interesting that somebody's trying to say that uh the industry should go back to basically selling triple a games separately from their uh, passes and bundled subscriptions and whatnot, even though they offer that. I mean, they have a three-tiered, I think it's uh, Essentials for $9.99 and an extra one for a little bit more than that and then a premium one for more than that. They just won't put any of the titles, even, I mean, assuming that they put Ragnarok in the premium tier, which I think is like almost $13 or something like that, they would 
see, you know, I think a, a boom from people who want to want that and want to just pay a monthly fee to to have access to these games. But, you know, like I said, they they risk that $350 million up front. Well, th- there's that. And then there's also what if we heard for the last five or six years? I've heard it and I'm sure you have, too. What if five years from now we have a Netflix for gaming? You know, sure, it's not going to be the Netflix cost of 24, 25 bucks a month. But let's say, you know, they came out and said, okay, 50 bucks a month, play what you want, when you want, how you want it, and everybody gets their slice of the pie. I mean, that, hopefully that's where the industry is going. Um, I would like to get there, uh, but I'm also more of a casual game, right? You know, I don't have my, like, hardcore games I play. I also don't play a ton of games. So uh, I, uh, I could take it or leave it, I suppose. I'm the same um, way. I'm just a casual pick it up yeah. once a week and play what's more interesting is that we keep finding all this information out from both these you know this regulatory battle plus the apple and epic thing like it, there's a lot of things i didn't know that went into gaming all of these backroom deals stuff like that so i expect to hear more uh coming out from this uh sony versus microsoft in the uk and in the eu and things like that so we'll, we'll keep our eyes perched for that but now we're going to move on to our headlines and get into some uh, less controversial news, um, <laughs> starting with Microsoft getting right back uh, into insider builds right after the holidays. Now, they had paused them going into the holidays, at least here in the U.S., uh, probably about three days after we got back from that week. Uh, we are with two new builds. Following the holiday week, Microsoft's Windows team pushed out two new uh, Windows Insiders builds for dev and beta. Uh, while we're not getting mind-blowing feature updates in either build, there are a handful of subtle changes that come down the pipe, such as glanceable VPN status notifications in the system tray, and a little bit of A-B testing of visual changes in the search bar, uh, in the taskbar. For those of you listening, I'll do my best to kind of describe uh, the very minor change. For those of you watching, hopefully I'll have some images for you. The picture of the current search bar, uh, I think for most of us, it looks like a tilting magnifying glass. Uh, but for dev users and uh, yeah, for dev users who updated this week, we're now presented with a two-inch rounded peel with a smaller magnifying glass in it, uh, and the text search is also within that uh, visual. There's uh, and it's next to the Windows logo still. Uh, the other look is an elongated squared off rectangle with uh, with an image, uh, presumably the Bing image of the day or something. I don't know if that image changes for the screenshots we got. It was like a lighthouse or something. It's very tiny uh, and it's in the corner of that uh, rectangle box. And there's also the search text. Um, neither of the changes offer any real functionality difference. They're both basically buttons that open up the search uh, window within uh, Windows 11. Uh, but anecdotally, I prefer the pill. It just looks nicer. Um, I don't know about I you. Do. Uh, I've got the pill. I've heard of uh, several people, even if you're in the dev channel or the beta channel, whichever channel you choose, I've heard of different people getting different things. And in fact, I heard it on another podcast this week that some, you know, one, one person in the podcast had the pill. The other person had just the magnifying glass, but supposedly they were in the same channel. So that that's interesting. Yeah, Microsoft's you know, right. yeah, A-B testing A-B makes testing no sense. It. They could be uh, A-B testing it to see which one, you know, which one people want. Which one, yeah, it gets more use. Uh, as for beta, insi- beta Insiders, the new builds are 22.621 and 22.623. 
Uh, they bring a bring Braille display support for narrator as well. Um, and then you get uh, Spelling Dictionary now uses language neutral words list and, uh, and syncs across all devices that use the same Windows account. Uh, the other new thing we get is a combined Windows Spotlight with themes and on the personalization page. Uh, we also get a full amount of storage capacity for all your Windows One subscriptions, uh, which will they also display in the storage on the account page and settings app. So you can kind of manage that from Windows 10 device. Uh, Microsoft OneDrive subscriber storage alerts on the system page and in the in the settings app uh, and organizational messages feature uh, with it and it's a third party companies can provide content to their employees. So uh, again, these were some of the updates that came in for beta and dev. Uh, so if you haven't gotten it yet, you can go ahead and try it. If not, you can wait for the next round of updates, which I believe may actually not happen for a while. You know, we're going we're about to go into another holiday so uh, we will keep you updated if there are any more insider builds coming in the next two weeks or so what do you got for us well i'm going to stay in the software line of things and we're going to talk about a smallish company called star doc they have released their windows blinds 11 software they had a beta back in september which we covered on our site and I really like Windows Blinds, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it is. Basically, for those such as myself that enjoy the Windows XP look or the Windows 7 look of your desktop or what, you know, whatever look you liked, and supposedly I heard today there's going to be a Windows 95 look come out, you can get this product and you can customize your desktop your taskbar the colors are your taskbar the colors are your windows what your menus look like basically any way you want to and they've got a really cool way of doing it you can they, they call them skins and the app itself comes preloaded with some skins and then you can go to windowscustomize.com and you can download more skins it's a fairly cheap product they do have a upgrade package for those that already have it you can get it for $9.95 and let's see they have the full product as part of their offering the Stardock object desktop or you can get Windows Blinds 11 for standalone of $19.99 neat little product it's neat to customize your desktop look at something different every day I'm a fan of it. I know some of our readers, you know, really get into customizing their stuff. They don't stick with the standard Microsoft look and feel. Head on over to Stardock, check it out. It's worth it's worth looking into. Sounds great. Um, I got something a little more corporate-y, uh, less fun for the actual <laughs> everyday user like you or myself, but uh, I, th I feel like it needs to be highlighted nonetheless. Uh, Microsoft has plans to double its advertising revenue, which means it's time to talk about Bing and not as a punchline. Um, I know it used to be the, typically the butt of every joke, but uh, Microsoft has indicated that it has plans to double its advertising revenue. Uh, at the moment, the figure stands at about $10 billion, uh, but the plan is to push it to $20 billion. If Microsoft is able to hit uh, this target, this would mean that it would uh, become the sixth largest digital ad seller worldwide, uh, taking $0.10. Cents uh, spot according to estimates. Rob Wilk, uh, Microsoft's advertising division head, stated that we believe we deserved our moment in the sun and we're getting it. Uh, 
Uh, it's a big turnaround from one of the platform's lowest points back in 2015 when it sold its Atlas ad server to Facebook, as well as losing out on uh, at Yahoo ad revenue uh, during that uh, split that they had. Um, however, the company has craw- uh, kind of clawed its way back into relevance and is now adding AT&T's ad unit Xander, X-A-N-D-R, uh, as well as partnering with Netflix to sell ads. While Microsoft may be uh, trying to reach $20 billion through the network of uh, strategic partnerships, uh, it has been floated that um, figuring out a way to combine its Bing search, um, Xbox, MSN, and its numerous websites with Xander to sell digital ads could significantly raise them to the top, potentially top four advertisers uh, in the market. Um, according to ad buyers, Microsoft needs a way to bundle all of its properties in a single point of contact, which will in turn allow them to access them easily. So this is what you know, people who want to sell ads are asking Microsoft to do. Uh, Microsoft can clear regulatory hurdles with its Activision acquisition. There uh, would be yet another avenue for uh, ad service to be sold to uh, ad, uh, advertisers, uh, which would, you know, put them or help them distinguish themselves from like, say, Google or a Meta or an Apple or Tencent, because they would also have a huge gaming market to kind of tap into. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Microsoft pivots, but again, for the past, I don't know, uh, six quarters or so, uh, Microsoft's ad revenue has quietly been raising and their business has been quietly doing well. So uh, good for them. They've got so many places to put ads and some are going to, you know, some are going to make customers complain. And I, I have heard in the corporate world that they're start that some folks have seen ads in teams and i have not seen any ads yet you know in the teams that we use you know maybe maybe we're one of the lucky ones but i don't foresee bing and google you know that that's always going to be a war and and I, I i don't know how you know microsoft intends to go with that i think like you're saying they're gonna have to take other avenues to get there well i also see that the ad revenue model uh, will be coming down from its highs of like 2016 through you know mm-hmm. now. Um, I think that people are becoming adept to ignoring ads, and so for companies that are you know seeing reduction in their ad revenue, such as Facebook and Google, uh, this may be a leveling of sorts for everybody. So maybe Microsoft doesn't maybe. get as high as Google does, but Google will not be as high as it used to be. I mean, not to go over to the to the dark side, so to speak, but you look at Apple. What did they advertise in their last browser? Hey, we've got all these tools and we're automatically blocking your ads. Well, you know, that kind of helps level the playing field in some way because if they're blocking much, somebody's going to see that on the bottom on the bottom line of the balance sheet somewhere. Mhm. So yeah, I mean, we we'll, we we'll, again We'll keep an eye on the advertising wars as they simmer, I guess. <laughs> no, not so much heat up as they used to. What do you got for us next? Well, I'm going to jump back to gaming. Um, doesn't seem like it, but our PlayStation 5s and Xbox Series Xs and Ss have been out for two years. And I guess with the pandemic and the supply chain problems, it, it doesn't seem like it. But like Kareem was saying with one of our opening stories, this whole thing with Activision and Blizzard has forced Microsoft to be a little bit more transparent. 
So when they were responding to the CRM information that we had covered earlier in the week on the site, they said, hey, the next console will be released somewhere about 2028. Well, that kind of fits what Microsoft has done with previous consoles. We've seen, you know, six to eight year lifespans before the next one comes out. And I think what Microsoft is trying to say here is say, look, allow our merger to go through. You've got six to eight years before you have to worry about us doing something else. Now, is that a cover up? I don't know, but it's interesting that, you know, we're, we're two years into this cycle and we're already hearing about what the next cycle might be. And I don't think we would be hearing about it if we didn't have the old Activision blizzard buying and, and arguments going on over here. So I think it's interesting that we get that info now. Yeah, uh, I also agree that it's only because they had to disclose it. Um, I don't even necessarily think that they're telling the uh, CMA that, you know, hey, don't worry about us with the console or anything like that. Because, again, I believe the threat that Sony's presenting Microsoft is having is mostly digital as far as the software. I mean, because, again, every, most hardware makers are losing money on, on the console. I don't think Microsoft is very eager in jumping into R&D and building another console to lose money. I think their eyes are set, obviously, on cloud gaming. That's where they want to go. They'd rather perhaps deliver a thin client, something like the Xbox Series S, discless, um, thinner, um, you know, sort of house the GPU and all of the resource intensive stuff on their own servers and, um, you know, present a, a console that way versus, you know, going out and, you know, handpicking the GPUs and the CPUs and the, the venting and all that stuff for another console. So while that date is, you know, um, kind of in their on their roadmap for this disclosure, I also don't think, you know, they may elongate that. They may use the pandemic as a reason to say, hey, 2028 is, is you know, maybe we push it back another couple of years and we just keep going with, you know, successfully not encroaching or cannibalizing our, our uh, console market currently or efforts with Game Pass. Imagine saying that, you know, we want you to uh, get a Game Pass subscription, but we also want you to buy a console. It's like, well, which one do I do? But if you already have a console, the Game Pass becomes easier to, to kind of muster up, saying, all right, well, I don't need to rush out and spend $500. I can keep spending 30 bucks or 20 bucks a month or whatever to keep playing new games. I think consoles are going to, you know, the boxes themselves are, and this is unfortunate. I live in a rural area, and I think the consoles themselves are going to end up being the folks that don't have the internet connections for the cloud gaming. They just can't do it. They don't have the option to do it. True. But, I mean, I, I, I would also argue that it is probably nice of Microsoft and hopefully Sony and anybody else that makes a console to consider uh, turnover cycles, you know, again, we don't have infinite amount of money and we're about to potentially hit a recession. So all of those factors, you know, come in and say, again, would you like to play some old games for much cheaper than rushing out and buying a new console for a little bit? I'm cool with that. <laughs> all right. We're in our last story, which is, I mean, kind of a, I guess a downer from where we're at with gaming. But again, I think for anybody who as we mentioned, is about to potentially feel the hurt of this recession. This might be news for you. 
Microsoft is looking to prep the workforce with a ton of low-code applications soon via its new partnership with PMI. Perhaps just in time to pivot before recession, Microsoft and the Project Management Institute announced a uh, the Power Platform University Hub, where university students get to equip themselves with skills that would help them solve a wide range of business problems with low code. Uh, current trends have established that the number of developers available doesn't match the actual number that is needed in organizations to build solutions. Um, low code platforms mean that organizations no longer need to be dependent on professional developer skills for all the solutions uh, which garner forecast by 2025 saying 70 percent of new enterprise applicants will use local technologies uh, says microsoft hence the need to bring in bring on more professionals that will help bridge this gap the new power platform university hub is a place to provide university students with an integrated curriculum that mainly focuses on the power of using low-code platforms to enhance digital transformation. Once enrolled in the program, students will be able to access dozens of course materials that uh, revolve around low-code development and analytics tools. Once completed, students receive two, two certificates, which are a PMI Citizens Developer Practitioner Micro -cert uh, Credential and a PL100 Microsoft Power Platforms App Maker Certification. Uh, to get started, students will need faculty members to com uh, complete an onboarding form on their behalf, uh, which will then grant them access to the uh, PPUH, the platform itself. Um, I put this in there because, again, uh, the idea of low code is uh, just another step, uh, another work uh, job opportunity for people who saw coding as, you know, maybe too difficult, too expensive, too time consuming. Uh, but as you know, studies are showing that there is a there is an opportunity between being an elite coder working for you know super big tech firm like uh meta or apple or even twitter or whatever to someone who needs you know uh, a, an smb small medium-sized business that needs to automate some things to kind of bring their their perhaps aging infrastructure up to code and you can get a job doing that um and Hopefully this recession isn't as bad as people are predicting, but if it is, this is a good way to pivot. This is also maybe just a good way to have a, a second job, a gig, a second gig opportunity for you as well. I agree. You know, I did the computer science background in my day. And even, even then coding to me was just not my thing. It was, wasn't that it was hard. You either knew it all and you were able to do what you just said there, go get the job at the Met, net, what's now the Meta, the Google, the Microsoft. There was no in-between for the small business, such as you know some that I'm well aware of right now that would love to be able to take somebody who has a defined set of skills and says, look, come in and solve my problem on a small business budget. That company gets their problem solved the person that did it got to do something that they were comfortable doing and they made a few dollars in the process and maybe you didn't have to have this person that used to work at Meta or used to work at Microsoft that just to get them to open the door costs you an arm and you know an arm and a leg I, th I, I would be a big supporter of this myself yeah uh, and that wraps it up I believe for headlines for us uh, unless you got anything else you want to tack on there Oh, I'm good for now. All right. Well, we want to thank you again for joining us for another on podcast. Uh, again, I am Cream Anderson, um, joined by David Allen. Uh, we appreciate your time. We want you guys to have a great weekend. Stay safe. Uh, try not to get the flu if you can. <laughs> so we can see you again healthy and happy next week. 
See you guys.